everybody, welcome back to the Corner Talks podcast. Today I have a good friend, fellow collaborator, actor Richard Colo. What's going on, buddy? How are you? How you doing, man? Good to be <laughs> on here. Glad to be on your podcast. You know, this is my first honorary podcast, man. Yeah. So uh, Fine, I can't yeah. hate. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, you're one of the first people I thought of uh, when I was starting this podcast, um, especially now that uh, you know we've collaborated, give everyone some context on a film called Cracked. Uh, last right. summer and now we're currently developing our own project together which is very right. exciting stuff so i said to myself i have to bring on you know that's what i do creatives entrepreneurs actors artists um to discuss their journey and more importantly uh what they see uh going forward what they see for themselves in the future and yeah it's an honor man to have you on so i'm really happy you're joining us thank you thank you it's an honor for me to be here man it's a pleasure perfect so like I said before, we worked with each other already on Cracked. Um, you know, I directed you in a performance. Uh, you played the father of a young man, uh, you know, and it was a film that explored mental illness and how it affects not only the individual, but the people around them. So I want to know, because um, I always got the impression when I was dealing with you on set that you were quite involved in the industry. You know, you had some tenure, you had some experience behind you, and you had some stories to tell as an actor. Uh, before, we, before we get into that, I want to know why did you pursue a career in acting? Well, it's funny because I've always wanted to be in performing from the time I've been young in my teens. Um, uh, I used to be in school plays, so I won awards for drama in junior high and high school. Uh, it was something that I just naturally gravitated towards. I was always very charismatic, very funny. Um, I was always good at you know performing. I used to break dance. I used to always, so I was always into performing. And it's funny, I actually did stand up comedy at 14 and 15 in high school, in uh, junior high. Do that? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I actually did it. I did some Eddie Murphy impressions on stage one year. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what struck me about you. You're very charismatic, right? Thank you. Thank you. So I did those kind of things. So it's always been in me. But what happens is your parents start getting into your head telling you, you know, go for the safe career. Like my dad, he was a doctor course he wants me to go into medicine like go into medicine do this you know he's passed away now rest in peace right and my mom you know my mom was always pretty open to what I wanted to do she was always very supportive so you get side reeled by getting that degree so I went to university really to appease them yeah. I got my degree I went to college first and got a degree in the university so I've got two mm -hmm. and I didn't really get into the corporate world with a happy slate right I had a lot of trials and tribulations dealing with a lot of BS and there are different things with different jobs, but it was always a burning desire in me. Like I remember even in 2000, I did some extra work on a movie called Hendrix. It was a Jimi Hendrix story. Wood oh, Harris nice. was, yeah, Wood Harris yeah. was the lead actor and we actually built a rapport. We were supposed to hang out, but he was so busy. He called me actually on my right. phone and I met uh, Billy Zane on the set too. Titanic. <laughs> Yeah, 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 he's amazing. He's very, yeah, very, yeah. very down to earth. Very cool people. Yeah, yeah, and I just began to start meeting people like that. Like I have the Anthony Anderson story when uh, he was shooting the movie with Isaiah Washington and DMX. I think it was called Exit Wounds. I think Steven Seagal was in it. I met him at a restaurant with my girlfriend at the time, and he goes to me, he goes, "Yo, what are you doing right now?" And I said, "Well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm here doing my thing, just working." He goes, "Give me your number." And uh, if they need anybody for extras, uh, I'll have them call you. You look like you'd be good in the film. And I kept getting that type of feedback yeah. from over the right. years. Right. Right. It, it got to a point where was, uh, even my ex-boss, I have a boss, uh, he lives in New York City. And we were chatting over Facebook and because I, I wished him happy anniversary. He goes, do you remember like 10 years ago when I was talking to you? He goes, remember I told you that you'd look good on screen and camera? I'm like, yeah, you were one of the ones that pushed me. He goes, I'm so happy to see that you're doing it now. Right. And I had, I just Can happened you, to, right? it was just yeah. something that just kept happening all the time. Like I would, I would, I would go to TIFF and I'd be there with a friend and they'd be like, Oh, what movie are you starring in? I'm like, I'm not starring in any movie. Like, no, come on. <laughs> they just pegged you as an actor. I love it. Yeah. A movie star. So there you it, go. it was the universe talking to me, telling me, of course, where to go. Yeah. right. You just, you know it. And in about 2018, I remember I had taken acting class classes from uh, EVN studios from Earl Nanhu, uh, one of the best acting teachers you can ever get. And if to any actors out there who are starting their careers or building their careers, um, he's somebody you really need to check out. And I'd taken classes because I was introduced by a fellow actor to him because at the time he needed a website. So we made a barter exchange. So I said, I'll do your website if you give me classes. He said, sure. And my friend who was an actor called Carl Campbell, shout out to Carl. 
he was the one who told me, he goes, you'd be good on screen too. So it just kept this, there was this ball of people that just kept coming in my life telling me, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And I remember I met him in 2018, I was at a TIFF party for Emmanuel Cabongo, shout out to Emmanuel. And he said to me, he goes, what are you doing? Like, you should be using your talents and skills, your training, you could be booking. So I had to take it seriously at that point. So I know I met another guy. He introduced me to my agent now at Filmcom, Melissa Rock. Shout out to her, one of the hardest working agents in the industry. She's fantastic. She is a rock. She's solid. And he introduced me to her. And I did an audition for her. It didn't go that well. But she goes, I know you can book. So the first week I got an audition, the second week after I signed with her, I booked a short film. It was for Cineplex. It's called Find My Story. It was played before all the movies at the theater. So people were like, yo, do I see you when I go to the movies and seeing this? And then people started seeing it. And the ball started rolling in 2019. So I really started taking it seriously about two years ago. Because it was just, I had to get into that mind space of saying, I can do this. Focus your energy into that, right? Like a lot of people in the creative industry, let's be honest, they feel like they can do both or it's, necess- it's a necessity to them. They can't really, don't really have another option, right? They're either working banking and then doing art on the side. And I've always been a huge proponent. I tell people all the time about this is like, if you have to pay the bills, that's your, your business. Of course, you know, you have to make a living, but if you can, you know, just focus all in, if you can afford yourself that time, at least six months to a year, uh, go for it because the people that truly are in it um, are always staying relevant. They're always staying busy. They're always staying creative. And that's something that uh, I, I see yourself doing, right? Like it's when you first started off, you probably were dabbling in it, but you weren't really focusing your full effort into it. And then in the last two years, you might've been picking it up. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Cause when I first started, I was still working full time. So it was tough. So it was like, you know, you're going to auditions, this, no employer wants that. So I had to make that decision just to leave, go with this full time and it's work, right? It's worked out for me. Now, I still do miss certain aspects of working with you know, the team and, and every day. And there's those things I do. So I still do projects. Yeah. I still work as a freelancer. Yeah. Right. But overall, I'm finding that this career path has opened up so much for me, right? I've met so many people. The work has been a bit more consistent, neg- negating COVID, of course, because that put a, a hold on a lot of projects that a lot of people wanted to do. And I get it. But I'm finding that I'm getting more of a fulfillment doing this than anything else. That's the greatest satisfaction you can ever receive, right? Greatest reward. And the goal is to be happy, right? The goal is to be satisfied with who you are and have some semblance of of happiness. So for me, I'm- You are on your own, right? Yeah. It's one of those things where I just want to keep pushing forward. So now I'm I'm working with a couple of new coaches. Uh, I'm getting more coaching, more training. I'm working on a project with yourself. I'm looking at other different projects. You know, I'm building myself up to be now in the union very soon, maybe next year, you know, those kind of things. So I can, you know, start getting the bigger projects and tackling bigger things. Right. But it's a preparation to do that. So I need to become more prepared. I need to study my craft. I need to be on webinars. I need to be interacting with coaches, different actors, learning techniques. Right. And it's, 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 there's a lot that you have to invest in this. People don't understand. Right. There's a lot of people that just don't understand when you're up at two, three in the morning. And you're coming back from shooting a TV show and you're waking up at eight or nine in the morning. They're like, uh, yeah, so what are you doing, man? Uh, they want to chat. And he's like, you're not into that mode. You're still waking up. You've got other things to do. You've got scripts to memorize. You've got to set up your place to do a self tape. You want to utilize every day of the week, right? Like the big thing for me is like the weekends, like people are thinking, oh, let's do this and that. And when I'm like working on, you know, my side projects, or I'm just working on a podcast, for instance, just like constant, like building my business. Like people don't understand, like it's an everyday thing. Uh, it's not even, you don't even look at it as a chore. It's more like you have, you want to do it because you want to work ahead because you know that every day is valuable. And if you miss an hour, like you could be, you could be behind, right? Cause something else can come up, right? And you want to focus all your en- energies and efforts on something that you care about, right? Got it. You got it. Absolutely. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that when you're in this business, it's a it's a mind reset. You have to reset your thinking because you're not into a nine to five mode anymore. It's not get up in the morning, go here, get up in the morning. There's no consistency like that. You could be doing a commercial and they call you to set at 7.30 a.m. Are you there until nine o'clock or a TV show? And you could be doing that for four days. Like I remember I was doing a TV show in Hamilton. I was there for four days. So I had to get up every morning really early drive into Hamilton with the, with, with, the, with the driver. The driver came to pick us up. 
drive in, get to set, get to makeup, maybe get something quick to eat, get the script for the day, go through those lines, do rehearsals of the scenes, and then boom, they start filming, right? Yeah, absolutely. Get your, get your lunch, you eat it, yeah. you know, you do, they, they do makeup, makeup touches, you're filming again, you're waiting around. If you're waiting, you're reading, you're practicing, you're rehearsing, and then you're done for the day, right? It's it. People that's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, no, people, people, it's a different, it's, that's what it is, right? Like, you know, you see, and we're guilty of it too, until we got into the industry, we see the glamour and the glitz and we're saying, oh, like, yeah. you know, that, that's the life. But you don't realize, like, to get to that point, like, you have to really eat there, you have to, like, grind it out, and you have to do, you have to show up on days maybe that you don't even want to be there because you're just either exhausted or you're burning out um or because you don't believe in the project but sometimes like you're in those situations because you have to like you said build your your craft build on your craft building your portfolio right um because you have to get to a point in your career where you establish yourself so you can take on your passion project that's why a lot of our heroes like for example tarantino or scorsese they'll say i'm a very lucky person because they're able to take on projects that they care about um that they want to tackle right but when they were starting out like they had to go through the studio system they had to you know weed weed their way through uh, you know, Spielberg is uh, famous for that. Like when he was doing Jaws, he went through a shit ton of adversity, um, you know, developing the, the shark and making it work and, you know, the studio uh, cutting his budget uh, day by day because they thought it was going to be a stupid horror film. And I remember him saying like in an interview, um, it was an archive interview after the um, premiere of Jaws, uh, seeing that it became a blockbuster, right? He's like, perfect. Now I'm able to use that film as leverage to make my own films. And that's what happened, right? All the films that carried on after that, um, he was able to tackle all the projects he had interest in. Uh, so it's an ongoing process, right? And it's not, and just because you make it doesn't mean you're set, right? Um, you have to constantly be proving yourself, right? You have to constantly be uh, consistent in your work um, and you can't let yourself slip. You know, too many like directors, right? Even actors, right? They I don't know what happens. Like they just like kind of fade away, right? Um, whether they got too caught up in the money or they don't feel like doing it anymore, uh, which is fair, right? We're human beings at the end of the day, we have different interests and goals in our life. But um, I know for a fact that some people like they get, uh, the big thing you probably struggle with or not struggle with, but probably have fear over is a typecast, right? Getting right. pigeonholed in a role, like a certain yeah, look. I remember you were discussing, you were expressing that, uh, that fear, right? Yeah, I don't, it's, it's not so much a fear, it's more of a concern. I don't want to be pigeonholed as just that's right. a big black guy or the security yeah. guard or he's big, put him in this. No, I can sing. I can do impressions. I can do different voices. I can act. I can dance, right? I can do all those different things, right? I can do improv. Yeah. I have and talent. Then, I have a range of talent, right? right. So I'm not, if you're pigeonholing me, you're crazy. You're yeah. the one who's got the problem. <laughs> you're I'm the one that's losing out, yeah. You're losing no, because I know what I can do and I know what exactly. I can't do, yeah. right? And speaking of which, when you were talking about films and Scorsese, I remember Spike Lee, when he was doing Malcolm X, he had to get funding, extra funding to finish that film too. Yeah, I remember doing that. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. That, right? yeah. yeah it, it was, was a large sum of money. It was something crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah, so he had to like, call other actors, you know, and they pitched in to help finish the film. And yeah, it became success, Denzel right? Washington was one of them, right? Yes, he actually yeah. who started it actually puts it started. Yeah, yeah, I remember you that. Had to go yeah. to rich friends and say, yeah, hey, pretty much, yeah, help finish this. Yeah, well, I remember that man. And uh, again, people don't realize, like you know, Scorsese, uh, you know, the Irishman. Uh, it's so notorious a story to me because I'm saying to myself, man, if he can't get funding, you know, good luck to everybody else. <laughs> this guy, uh, you know, has a 50 year career, right? Uh, everything he touches is like pretty much Oscar gold. Uh, someone either wins an Oscar or gets nominated, literally, if you look at his filmography. And yet in his old age, he wants to make this film called The Irishman, right? But it's three and a half hours. Rightfully so, it's very long. But you would think, you know, hey, like this is my track record, you know, give me the money. Maybe two studios can kind of collaborate um, on it, whatever. And no major studio wanted it. That's why he ended up going to Netflix. I thought he went for Netflix because he's like, you know, a modern director, like, no, that's like, change the landscape but apparently that was a last resort he had to go to netflix and netflix was the only one that would give him the money <laughs> the budget on that one i think was about 125 million yeah right but it was a great film i watched it it's long you got to have patience to watch it but it's i mean you're getting de niro in it right you're getting you're right? Joe Pesci in it, right you're yeah. getting great actors so i know it was going to be a good film yeah right so uh, it, it's just people i think the problem one of the problems 
the is that people just don't understand there's a mind process and people are not able to process certain things like this industry is not for everybody you have to very thick skin there's a lot of rejection there's a lot of um no's there's a lot of people who are not gonna you you know i've got i know from doing these great auditions i've done auditions where like yeah i banged it out i killed it sent it in and no it's like no it went with someone else right and the reason they could have went with someone else because they could have been shorter Right, they could have had a different look that the, the the casting or the client wanted. I'm able to deal with that. Deal with. I've been through so much rejection by life anyway. Just going yeah. to job. Or- I, there you go, so, man. Yeah, same. I thing. have thick skin, yeah. right? Good for right? you. I lived man. in. Yeah. I live. I I've lived in. I lived in New York City, where you have to be really t- tough and have thick skin. Yeah. So it's not. It wasn't a hard transition for me to be like rejected. I've been on sports teams. I've competed at high levels. So I know what it's like to get cut from a team or have to be benched for a while because of something. So I don't, it's not to say that things don't affect me. There's certain things I can say, yeah, I should have got that. Or, yeah, I should have got this, but it's what's done is done. You just got to move on to the next thing, right? And one of the things that you got to do is what we're doing is just do your own project. Start writing yeah. your own projects. Yeah. Develop the characters you want to see yourself as, yeah. right? Put yourself in projects you're doing. I have another friend, he's developed a whole TV series and and a couple of movies now and I was talking to him the other day and he's like yeah he's like I'm just trying to do good quality work and things that I know that can that will fly in my mind that I have to translate that that people can say well yeah I can see that or I envision that or that's something that I really think that would be great on television or for people to see and that's what it's about yeah, and, and that's, I'm glad you said it. And that's why I was thrilled when you reached out, right? Because I find that every time I put a project out, talk about signs, right? Uh, you said people would come up to you like, oh, uh, what film are you starring in? And you're getting these, again, signs from the universe, indications um, that this could be a path for you. Um, right. Someone like yourself, like reaching out to me, you know, I've expressed this many times. Um, <laughs> I did that film, you know, I put my heart into it, but, you know, I was just kind of expecting like, you know, it, it, to do its festival run and that was it. And then to hear back from you a year later and you, you know, telling me like how much uh, you were blown away and impressed by really how I put it together. That tells me like, okay, like I got something like I didn't go to film school, you know, I don't really have the credentials, but there's clearly some kind of talent that people are recognizing. And Mm -hmm. regarding like, you know, creating your own projects, I'm so happy that you have that same uh, intention because it's so important to like develop projects yourself. And a big thing for me is to illustrate my writing because I see myself like as a writer director and you know, just collaborating and, and you giving me that like freedom, right? Like, you know, obviously you're a co-writer, but it's more like you trust like navigating the story with me um, because you want to see like my vision kind of all the way, our vision, I should say all the way through. Um, so I think it's really cool. And, and you know, back to reje- rejection, uh, that's a very interesting subject that you brought up because that's something that I think it's because I'm not um, I'm 26. So I'm, I, a lot of people would consider me probably a baby in the industry, but I'm still relatively young in the sense that uh, I'm still, I've dealt with obviously rejection before, like working at corporate jobs, but I'm still like kind of going through the ropes, right? Because there's times when like, you know, you won't get uh, maybe a, a festival, a festival won't get back to you or uh, someone that, you know, yeah, we're going to, we're going to make uh, tons of films together. We're going to, you know, like someone that's more, has more seniority in the business, never emails you back. <laughs> it's like, what's going on. Right. Um, but like you said, you made a very good point. Uh, you, you kind of been conditioned that way coming up in the industry, right? Working. Living in New York, that that's great training ground, right? The amount, the amount of uh, the people, like that, that's another thing people don't realize. Like, there's a bigger world outside of Toronto, guys. Uh, there's a huge world, and there's different characters and cultures. And uh, someone like yourself that's uh, lived in all these different places can tell you, um, it's kind of uh, molds you into a better, better person, a stronger individual, right? Yeah, it's like there's this T-shirt by Gangstar, and it, it, they were selling years ago. It says Brooklyn builds character. Right. My brother grew up in Brooklyn. I used to spend summers there. And then I moved there eventually, like the late 90s. Right. I was in New York for a couple of years and I was in Texas and different places. But yeah, if you want to build self high self-esteem and confidence, <laughs> go live in New York for a couple of years. I mean, you'll come back like you'll be like a pit bull among among uh poodles. I mean, it just builds something in you because you gotta hustle, you gotta move, you gotta be assertive, you know. Because they can smell weakness on you. They can smell insecurity. And when they see that, they're not even going to mess with you. You know, they'll eat you up and spit you out. Right? So, I mean, you got to build some thick skin. But overall, 
I think what you need to have is you need to have a sense of self-awareness. You need to have a good sense of confidence. You need to know your abilities and your strengths and play on them. And if you have weaknesses, build those weaknesses into strengths, right? Uh, I'll give you a good example. I had a, I used to have a profound fear of heights, profound. And even till today, it's, I'm a little bit iffy with heights. I actually went on the CN Tower, did the CN Tower walk, just to get over that. Because I'm like, that's amazing. Because I'm like, you know, can I swear on this podcast? Well, yeah, of course. Man, like oh, it is a free podcast. We'll just put explicit. First. I want to ask you first. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate F bombs. I had to ask you. You're a professional <laughs> guy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like fuck this, man. I'm gonna go. Yeah, you know yeah, what? yeah. Friends, I'm going to go and I'm going to do the CN Tower walk with you. So I did the CN Tower walk and you're high up there. And I just did it. I had to do it because I had to face that fear. I had to face that obstacle. I don't like that, right? It's not a good feeling to be afraid of things, right? Right? It's like a like one of my ex-girlfriends, she had a profound fear of dogs. So I told her, you know, you need to spend more time around dogs. Spend time around puppies first because they're small. You can control them. And then spend time around people's dogs. Now she's come out of that fear because now she, one of her good friends has a dog. So she spent time around the dog. She's petted the dog. She spends time on puppies. And now she's much better. You have to overcome some of these fears. If we let these fears control us, we get into these little boxes. Sorry, we get into these little boxes like this, and we don't want to move forward, right? We just, we just want to confine ourselves here. Right? It's like this. You can't do that because you're going to be stiff. You're not going to grow as a person. You're not going to develop, you know, qualities and characteristics that you need to function in the normal world and to be able to deal with different types of people. Right? Absolutely, man. And it's like, uh, I might even have to do that for myself. Like my, my fear of heights has, it hasn't been that bad. I used to get to a point where I would freak out anytime I went on a plane. But um, like last, uh, no, two years ago, uh, 2019, I went to California for like 10, 14 days. And I did uh, three cities and uh, I took like uh, four airplanes and it was nothing to me. I kind of like afterthought, obviously, you know, your thoughts at the back of your mind, like hopefully, you know, the plane's going to be fine. <laughs> but um, I think it's important, like you said, to, to put yourself in those situations where you're overcoming it because, uh, you know, if I compare myself to when I was 10 years old and I went on my first flight, it was pretty bad. Like I had a brown paper bag and you know, hyperventilating. But uh, like you said, if, if I always had that mindset or if I was that kind of guy that I was like, oh, I don't want to fly. Like I'm going to avoid it. How much, how much beauty are you taking away from your life or opportunity, right? Um, especially as a filmmaker, like you'd be shooting yourself in the foot. You got to shoot in Italy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take a boat and like five cars and I'm going to get there. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, no, it doesn't work like that, buddy, right? <laughs> but um, so anyway, I want to know uh, what have uh, what have been your most memorable roles or times working on set? You know, speaking of like your experience and tenure. Uh, memorable. The film we did together was good. Cracked because that was that was memorable. That was great because I got to play something very close to me—a Nigerian father, right? My father's Nigerian, so I got to channel a lot of his energy and a lot of the culture of our of, of his of our culture, and the ways that some of his nuances and behaviors into that role. Yeah. Working with you guys was really good because you guys were very quick, professional. You did a great job, and you actually allowed me to give input. Yeah. There were many areas of script where I'd be yeah. like, okay, I don't think he'd say this or he'd do this, and you guys were very open to that. That was memorable. Another memorable thing I did was uh, an episode of Fear Thy Neighbor called I'm Not Moving. You guys can check it out. It's called Fear Thy Neighbor, I'm Not Moving. It's from season seven of this year. I think it's the first episode, if I'm not mistaken. I play the main character through all the whole thing. So I'm starring in this episode. So the episode's on me and my performance, right? So that was memorable because I had four days on set and I had to really give a good performance. The whole story was based around me. And it's like, you know, when you're, when they go, okay, this is you, this is the character, you got to play this, and you got to take it on your back, is a very serious thing for me, right? I don't fuck around with that. Like, that to me was a very uh, passionate thing because I got to be in that vehicle for the first time. I'm like, okay. Audience's perspective, right? Right, right. I can do that. Like, if, they're wa if you're watching it, because you're saying you put up a lot of, uh, you're very adamant on making sure that role, that lead role is convincing and, you know, uh, it does, it, it's serviceable, right? Like when you watch it as, as an audience member, you want to 
not be pulling apart, taking apart the, uh, the lead actor, right? You want to kind of follow this character on its journey. If you look at any film that you enjoyed or any film that you recommend to me, right? Like Wrath of Man, right? Jason Statham, uh, solid lead actor, right? Even though he didn't say much in that movie, he has this like natural charisma, this presence uh, that you, you, you kind of uh, believe him on his journey, right? You kind of are with him on his journey. And I think that's so important. Yeah, most of the acting in that movie is done with his face and his expression, right? Yeah, which something I enjoy a lot. Yeah, there's actually another script that I have a, <laughs> an idea. No, I'm serious. I have an idea like of a character that I wouldn't say much. It's just all because like uh, John Wick two, there was like a woman character. She had like she did sign language the way she would talk. But I've always enjoyed like characters that use their face uh, to give off like certain expression, and you can just tell by um, what's going on in their head. Um, even like a character, like a, a counterpart, like, um, interpreting them, you know what I mean? Like, that's always cool to me, like fascinating Or you have a silent character and then like the, the, the person that's, uh, the supporting character is like, uh, you know, speaking to the other characters in the film, uh, about like interpreting what's going on, like what's going on in their mind or, you know, something's up, you know, um, that, I don't know if this is a pretty good example because it's not a human actor, but, uh, like group, you know, group just says I'm group. Right. But there, there's like that, it's like rocket and group. How are there's that dynamic? The rocket's like the loud mouth and like, you know what I mean? The, yeah. the fireball. And he kind of like, uh, interprets that, but, um, yeah, the different, uh, different plays, right. Different, uh, kind of dynamics you can do with these characters. Well, absolutely. And it's, it's for you to find out and do your research on your characters, right. It's for you to do that, 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 that background detective work to find out what is the purpose of the character? What are they trying to achieve? What are their goals and objectives? Who are they trying to, or what are they trying to um, outline in what they're doing? And how can you make the performance authentic, right? Because they say acting is just being yourself or being yeah. the character naturally, right? But to be natural and to find that medium of what's natural and what's, or what you're embellishing you have to really find a, a comfortable place when you're dealing with the character, right? That's why to take on a character, you have to be comfortable with the work itself. You have to be comfortable with the script. If you can see yourself in it and envision yourself doing it, the more likely you're going to achieve a better performance. So happy you said that, by the way, because as a, as a writer and director, like when you came to me, I'm going to be flat out honest, because uh, you know me, I'm very like transparent. When you, when you pitch the idea like of an action film and you know, the, the whole idea, like centered around a heist and this and that. I, um, I was on board. Obviously I wanted to work with you from the beginning, but the story was a big thing concern for me. Cause I didn't know what kind of story you wanted to do. You know what I mean? And when you pitched that idea, I said to my, I kind of like reflect and I said, you know what? I always wanted to do an action film. I always wanted to do something about that. Cause I love those thriller films and it'd be a challenge for me, right? Like to pull that off. Um, and like you said, you have to believe, you have to respect the story. That goes back to like when I did Cracked. Part of the reason why you saw that uh, fluidity, right? Like uh, how we were, you know, how, how things were run smoothly on set is because we all respected the story and we were all trying to achieve the same goal um, and executing it. So that's so important what you said. And, you know, it's, it all goes back to that, right? Like, you know, there are people, of course, that are going to show up and do their job and go home. But I feel like the people that are, like us, like this current project, seeing it all the way through, it's because we believe in the story. And what I love about you, I have to say this is, because I was thinking about this since our last call is, you're like me, like you um, analyze, you read into like the film, you read between the lines. And speaking of people, you know how you said a lot of people don't get that, a lot of people don't process that, like the mind in terms of like the industry. They don't do that as, also with films, right? A lot of people just watch it for entertainment and then they find something else. Um, but I take it to another level and, and I know you do as well, where even like what we've been writing so far, it's like, you're interpreting it as like these different themes we're going to be exploring or, you know, different dynamics, uh, in terms of society and culture. So I think that's really cool. I wanted to mention that. Oh, thank you. Well, it's even like in the wrath of man in that film, which we watched on Netflix, yeah. if you see certain things that like, when you see the image of the city upside down. Yeah. The reason you see the image of the city upside down is because they're turning the city upside down, right? That stuck out Fine to me, yeah. Scorching yeah. the earth, he says. People don't catch that. They'll just be like, oh, just an image of a city upside down. But I know from being in this business, there's certain things that a guy, like a, a, a film genius like Guy Ritchie is putting in there 
these little Easter eggs, right? Yeah. These little things that people just won't pick up. They're just, oh, okay. Oh, that was great, right? Oh, man's just getting revenge for his son. No, it's more than that. You have to look at what he's doing, right? You have to look at the process he's taking when, when he, or when he, uh, he fires the gun is his right-hand man says, this is not like you. You're not in your right headspace because that's not the way he does things, right? Yeah. There's a method to what, he, to what he does, right? Or when he's interrogated the guy and he goes, give me 200,000 in the car. The reason he does that is because A, he doesn't want to create a war because he, he knows his resources are thin, using those resources to find, right? Uh, get, get revenge for the, the death of his son. He, he thinks he's a thinking man. And that's mm -hmm. what it's showing you. He has a wrath, but it's not a rampage wrath. It's a very calculated, methodical wrath that he's on to get justice and redemption for the loss of his son. Yeah, most it's not instant. No, no, and they don't. And, and you know, uh, most people don't take the time to rewatch it or uh, reinvest in it, right? Like a big thing for me is I pick up those elements when... Um, I told you, I like, I go back to a film and I'll rewatch it a few times because I've either like really loved, that's why I don't believe in like, there's no such thing as a bad film. You can always take something out of it, whether it's a performance, uh, a shot, um, or even if a story is buried in there, right? Like Star Wars episode three, a lot of people like pick it apart, especially the internet. Um, but I always like, I kind of like read into it. I kind of like try to see what George Lucas was trying to execute. And, you know, I always do believe like there was like this dark, tragic story, um, you know, buried underneath some of the things that people don't really vibe with right um but yeah that's very important that you said that and it's important too because people don't realize like they um they're pieces of art form right like it's all made for interpretation um what you think is cheesy another person can think serves a different purpose in the story um and that's kind of proven to me when i talk to people like i have a friend you know that calls a uh, django and chain a cheesy film and i'm saying well it's many things, but it's not cheesy, right? Uh, I think it's very thought-provoking. Um, and there's like de definitely a, a lot of work at play like uh, behind the scenes. Um, but it's a very, yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, you know what I mean? It's very interesting how the audience, they always say the, the, the film, the last time it changes is when it, it gets shown to the audience. You know what I mean? With interpretation. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's like my acting coach said to me when I first was taking actors, acting lessons, he said to me, watch bad films. We were in class, I watched bad films. He goes, yes, the reason you should watch bad films is so you can learn, take away things, just as you said. He goes, there's certain things you can learn in there, which to do and what not to do. Yeah. So watch those bad films as well. So you can learn the nuances of things that you want to do and not to do. You can learn how to stand, how to speak, how to talk to the characters, right? Because when we speak, we normally speak where there's very little delay. I had to learn that. So if I'm delivering a line to them, like, hey, Daniel, what's up? You're immediately actually, oh, no, not much. That's how you're, you're going to be naturally speaking to me. You're not going to be like, pause and then speak, pause and then speak, right? I got you. Yeah. Unless, yeah. You have to know when, when the beats apply. Yeah. Right. Unless the character is written that way. So you have, exactly. you have to learn those kind of things. There's a beat. But unless there's an intense moment as well, right? Because you see it in film where, uh, you know, like it's, it's, I love, I love, it's perfectly executed where, you know, a character will say something that, you know, hits a nerve yeah. and a character will like, you know, kind of like itch its nose and like, think about it. And you're just like waiting. Cause like the shot is on him. And then he like speaks and he's like, you know, I never really thought of it like this. Like that anticipation, that pause um, adds another layer of drama. People don't really speak like that in real life. And if they like, you know what I mean? Like real life, there's different characters, like they'll, re they'll react right away. But um there's different ways to convey those emotions, right? And, and that drama, like internal dialogue, that's something I've learned when I dealt with actors. Like you can read what's going on behind the eyes, like what's going on in their mind, um, which sometimes doesn't match what they're actually saying. But you as an audience will see like behind their eyes, like what they really feel. Um, kind of like with you and the young Sammy character, right? Like that, I took pride in that shot because <laughs> he's smiling or gives a smirk. But in reality, like it, his eyes tell you everything that he's not in a happy place, right? He doesn't know. Oh really find his dad to be the most the, the best role model for him uh, right in terms you of what i did when i first came to set when i first met him yeah that's what i did i started talking yeah. to him in that accent it kind of got yeah. me <laughs> you notice that yeah I yeah, yeah. i think i remember something like that yeah to make him get into that character because he might have been ah like, whatever but i purposely did that i purposely put dominance over him 
if you watch what I did. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember, I remember you getting into his head and, and that's what I'm saying is I didn't, cause it's the first time I met you. Right. I didn't know who you were, like what you were trying to do, but I, I realized like, this is exactly my style. It's not too rehearsed, get everybody feeling out the characters. Um, like if I do a hangout film, I'll be like a Tarantino, like take everyone to dinner. So everyone knows how to talk to each other. Like, you know, feel comfortable. So when it's on film, you know what I mean? It gives you that authenticity. But I remember you like getting into his head, something like, uh, are you sure you're a man? And then he's like, yeah, I'm a man. And he's like, okay, we're going to see in the, when we do the scene. And it's like, you weren't being an asshole about it. You were just trying to like shake him. So when you do have that scene, you could tell he's nervous and he's on edge. Right. And he's feeling intimidated. And it helped, let's be honest, that he wasn't that like in the industry for so long that he knows what you were doing. And also that he was so professional. It's kind of, it, it was a beautiful, it was like a perfect storm. Like all these different elements kind of working together that, you believed it where this guy was being dominated by his father right right and i told him that after i said i did that to you purposely yeah and i was there and yeah, I I remember that. so he wouldn't think that i was just trying to be an asshole to him i told him this is what i was doing i was trying to get you into that moment where you understand the yep. fragility of your of your ego as opposed to your father because african fathers tend to be very domineering they tend to be very alpha male so I right. had to do that to you to get you into that 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 mode, so you would be uh, more reserved, right? More passive. And he's yeah. like, "Oh, okay." And he understood. He's like, "Okay, thanks. I didn't know." I said, "Yeah, that's what I was doing to him. I had did that right from the beginning. I had to establish establish dominance over him, so he knows that that has to play into what we're doing with that scene." And it. And that's another. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like you know, being you being Nigerian, I was kind of happy that you brought that. Uh, you know, authenticity to the role, right? Because I, you know, don't, before I met you guys, I don't, I don't really know anyone that's Nigerian and I wouldn't know anything about that class, but uh, you were telling me that, uh, explaining to me that, you know, with your father's experience. And that's why as a director, I think it's important. And I really, again, pride myself on how I was that day. I was open to those ideas because actors are just as much as creative as the director, the writer, the, the person, the other people on set. So when you're telling me, when you're, when you're telling me like, do you mind if I do an accent with this? Or I remember there was a line, um, uh, it was too soft, the line. Um, yes. I can't remember the emotion it was conveying, but you said African fathers would never like, can I come in? Oh yeah, you were hitting the, you were knocking on the door and it said something like, can I come in? And then you immediately said like, they would never ask for permission. And me and you looked both at each other like, yeah, we're not doing that line. And you're <laughs> not, right? Because we just knew like it clicked. And it's just like um, when young Sammy, uh, you know, was, was, uh, chopping up the veggies. Right. And he's supposed to be like a late teens kind of kid. Right. Um, and he goes, uh, anything for you, mommy. And I'm like, cut. I'm like, don't say mommy, just say mom, whatever. Right. Because it throws off the tone. It throws off what you're, you're trying to convey. And you have to be, you have to be on your toes. I notice as a director, like always like, like making decisions because when we God willing write this script, I know it's going to change for a fact when it comes to set. You know what I mean? Because of the obstacles, uh, an actor interprets it differently. Um, and even just, again, the chemistry, how, how lines are being played off, right? Whether we do a table read and whether we do it when we actually have to make it into production, right? Um, a line that I'm kind of sticking to or attached to might not work because it doesn't come out the right way. It's not enunciated the right way, right? Um, so I think it's so important to have an open mind um, while, while not compromising the vision. And that's something I want to keep keep a note of is, even though like that knock on the door, like I was quick to say, yeah, don't do it. It's not to compromise the vision. It's to actually enhance it. It's to uh, make it as believable as possible. Um, because I knew exactly, I'm not Nigerian, but at the same time, I have immigrant parents and I come from that class of people, right? So it's like, I know what it's like that, especially my mom, <laughs> if I lock that door, they, they ain't asking for permission, especially if I no. stormed out like that, right? Or they're really pissed well, off. And I grew, well, I grew around a lot of Italian kids, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me this. Yeah. Their parents were not, did not play around. Like I, yeah. I told you that story about all the Italian guys I knew. I was always wondering why they were so tough. It's because they got licks at home, and I used to see it. Like their parents did not play. They were old school Sicilian or old yeah. school Calabria. There was no, oh, this and that. There was no deviation of bullshit in their house. You're like, grounded. You're, my my parents didn't ground me. It was more like it. the wrath of God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to get that. They don't play. And so when I, when I was doing that scene, I said, my father would not, this is his house. This is his domain. Yeah. This is his kingdom. He's not going to ask you permission to go into his own bathroom. That's why he's, he's there. He tries to open the door. He goes, Sammy, open the door. 
Yeah. Because he's telling you, open the door. Like, yeah. this is my Don't place. Me. I, yeah. I have something to say to you, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to ask you to open the door. I'm not going to ask you, may I open the door? It's like, open the door. It's an order, right? So we it's have in to the context of the scene, too, because from experience. Yeah. But it's in the context of the scene because, like, he uh, he also um, just finished being uh, fuming with he's irritated with his, his own son, right? So I doubt <laughs> it's not like and you know his son did something nice for him and then he walked away and went to the bathroom, right? Uh, he's pissed off at him, and it, and it's like I doubt in the next uh, action or, or in the next piece of dialogue he's gonna be like, open the door. It's like no, like you're gonna be in the moment, you're gonna be in the mood. So a lot of a lot of interesting things. And, you know, not for anything, right? You're, you're used to seeing this. I'm sure there's some takes that we didn't use in the final cut. Um, because again, it, creativity is a risk, right? We just take different interpretations of different uh, ways the character can be portrayed, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to see how it fits best. But in terms of like, oh, that's why I always tell you. And I, I think you remember this, right? When I first met you, I said, I'm going to make you interpret the role how you interpret it. I'm going to chime in and how, tell you how I see it. But feel free to like, you know, be honest with me and tell me like what works and what doesn't. And you're like, yeah, I, I respect that. Don't worry about it. And I really commend you on like being professional, right? Again, you, you've had a lot of tenure, like you've been around in the industry, but um, it was just so refreshing to have like, cause I'll, I'll be honest, I was a bit nervous myself, right? Uh, cause I said, oh, is he going to like pick me out? And um, we, we kind of like understood each other and where we were coming from. Yeah, like you're, the way you were shooting was great and the direction you're giving was excellent. So it was easy for me to flow. Nice. Um, there was a lot of things that were going on in that scene that you know even when i'm having the argument with my wife right, yeah he's heated after that so he's not going to go to the door and be like hey can i open it he's he's angry he's trying to assert dominance in his place right yeah. he doesn't want him doing the cooking he doesn't want him doing this he wants him studying he wants him doing what he wants to do because he wants a better life for him right so he wants to assert that and his wife kind of goes okay do what you want She's understanding that my husband's the alpha male. I don't agree with a lot of what he's thinking, but I understand what he's trying to do, but I'm not happy with the way he's going about it. Right. You have to understand all those different things to bring a performance out. If you don't understand those things, you have to do a little bit more research and dig into it. And that's what I've been learning through my coaching and my coaches, uh, that there, you have to understand what a character is going to do, what they're going to say, how they're feeling, how they're reacting in that yeah. scene. What are the different things that they're playing off of? Who's affecting what, how they're behaving? You have to bring all of that together. And that's just where you just do a lot of the research, right? Because the good actors are the ones who do a lot more research and find out what's going on. And they can pull from that to bring a good performance. So that's that's what I'm learning right now. Yeah, that's why the best actors, like you'll hear them saying, uh, especially if they're portraying real life figures, um, they'll, they'll hang out with them. (laughs) <laughs> for like a week a month or like right but then they become friends i guess in some situations but they just talk to them right they probably do like the, what we're doing like a podcast in person i should say uh where they just interview them and then they record how they speak they get their mannerisms um and that's that that that's applied to every um role i should say on set more so i, I would say the acting the writer and the director especially the writer like when i write i become like an actor where i speak the lines um i also put myself like a big thing for me is integrating and that's what we're doing with the current project i told you where i want to integrate like my fears my um kind of experiences my history into the story while you know exaggerating some elements making it more dramatized um and then bringing on your character capitalizing what i like about you right in real life uh again very charismatic whatever but again what i've seen in cracked you can come across very domineering and the, the room can change. Well, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I really Absolutely. like that dynamic as a person. And I said, that would be so interesting. That'd be so cool to see on film. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just that, that how I approach the script. And luckily, right, we both, we both agreed on the direction of the story. So Absolutely. yeah, so I think it's really cool to have that uh, open dialogue and, um, you know, uh, come from that place where you kn- I think as uh, creatives, um, our work is never done, right? Like there's always time to improve, but there's always something to learn from. Um, and that's why I keep reiterating that when that time comes on set, when we do the production, even the editing, there might be a scene that doesn't fit. It may work in the script, but when you actually see it cut up, it's not going to work, right? So I think it's so cool. And, you know, I want to know, uh, like kind of before we go, 
what would you give advice to like people that you know someone like me or someone younger like you know starting on the industry kind of feeling down on their luck things aren't happening what kind of piece of advice would you give them the best thing you could do is always just keep learning your craft right take take an l and make it and learn something from it right go back and, and, and study and, and, and really try to analyze what some of the things you could have changed to make it better uh, look at your overall progress of where you are now don't focus so much on what you're bad at focus on what you're good at right, right. continue to give yourself positive affirmation on what you're good at and what you can yeah. do and always look at it as a growth experience because that thing that you might lost might, or do you think you might have lost might be setting you up for something better yeah right? it could be setting you up for something great and something that you know is wonderful that you'll that they'll bring a sense of semblance and growth and just overall wonderfulness into your life right so don't take don't take it to the point where your life depends on getting this project or you if you don't do this it doesn't validate you you're already validated because you're doing it well, that's, that's validation- how I feel. <laughs> yeah. 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 The only validation you need is when you've, achieved, you've finished that project, you can say, at least I've done it. I put it out there for, to the world, right? Because a lot of these people who criticize and sit down and criticize things, they can't do what you do. Remember yeah. That? They're, they're yeah. just watching it through a lens of, ah, right? Like when so true, man. Athletes, so true. So true. I think people at high levels, you can't yeah. go out there and, and, and run like LeBron or, you know, run the 100 meters or the 200, like Andre de Grasse. So you criticizing him really, does it, should it really matter to him? It shouldn't really, because he's put in the time, the effort, the training, the nutrition, the coaching, the diet, you know, the focus, the meditation, all the massage, all, all, all the massages he gets, all the, all the you know, all the uh, therapy he gets for his body to be that elite athlete. You're just yeah. a critic, right? Yeah. So most people who are doing that, it's just a lot of hot air. Think of it like that. Yeah, think if, if you've gone there and you've given your best performance and you've done all that you can do, you've worked with the material and you've done a great as hard work as you can and you think you've done a great job, that should be your validation. Right? Yeah, not what other people so much think because what they think is hearsay, right? I don't really care about a lot of people what they think about me, and particularly right. in this business, right? But when I started doing this, I had a lot of people supporting me and came out, oh my God, I'm surprised you're doing this. Well, I, it's because I didn't tell you. I just did it and I dropped it on people. Right? Yeah. That was smart. the best thing. It was a sneak yeah. attack. They're like, oh, yeah. shit. Instead of announcing it. Yeah. Yeah. Richard, fuck, motherfuckers acting now. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, but I've always yeah, had yeah, yeah. This guy and can move. <laughs> yeah. Right. I yeah, just yeah. didn't let, you, let your, your, let your stupid ass know. I just, no, I, I was, I was advised that's the best approach, bro, is like, go, it. go on it, go on it, uh, move in silence. Right. And then, yeah. So even this project we're doing right now, people are like, oh, you making on something? I'm like, yeah, I'm working on something. When that movie drops and they see me on the movie yep. poster and they see that, they'll be like, oh, shit, yo. <laughs> that's what you got to do with people. That's what I love, people, man. People have short-term memory loss. They don't, they don't remember things. They like to forget the yep. process of what you've gone through. They like to forget things. They just see, like you said, the glamour. Oh, he's on screen, all this. They don't know like how difficult it was for you to even just no. get that shot. Or how difficult it was for wardrobe to find that certain thing for you, or how difficult it was to get that area where we're going to be shooting, right? Or, or I'm glad you say that. I'm glad you say that because, like, or or a project like um, where it's like you don't know what goes on on set, right? Especially at our level where it's independent, where we don't have assistants and people like constantly at our beck and call. Like, for example, especially if you have if you can't afford a director of photography and you have to take over, well one shot why does it look blurry well because in that shot i didn't really see like properly whatever it's like it's quick to of course judge you know what i mean and obviously you don't want to completely derail your project but i like what you said is that look at also who it's coming from that's something i my mother always taught me is it coming from someone that maybe you know knows the field knows what to look for kind of understands or is it coming from like you know uh john down the street that you grew up with since you were a kid and like is working at a factory do you know what i mean like I, and I learned that the hard way because that's the th- important thing is that um, I don't care what people think about me, but when it comes to my art, I get personal because I'm too attached to it. And that's what I have to understand is that people are always going to have something to say. 
There are movies. There are classic movies. Godfather, Jaws, Django and Chain. All these movies, right? Like, like Schindler's List. That people I know will say, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of shit. Yeah, it was kind of boring. Yeah, it was kind of, it's like, what? And then I realize is that there's no such thing as a perfect movie. Everyone's going to have an opinion about something. Everyone. Whether they're in the industry or whether they're not. You just have to trust and uh, that you did the best you could. And also the market will decide, right? If the majority of people enjoy it, that's all you care about. Of course, there's, there's going to be people that are, are hateful because, yeah, they do genuinely not like it. Like for me, I wasn't a big fan of Interstellar, but, but you know what I mean? But that's my opinion. Who am I? But there are people that won't like Interstellar because let's be honest, they're jealous. They want to make that movie and they can't. You know what I mean? So I think it's just for any creative, for any artist out there, listen to what Richard is saying is don't, don't, don't uh, beat yourself up. Look to the things that you've accomplished. Look to the positivity uh, that you have in your life. Be grateful for the things that you're creating and know that it's a long journey. You know what I mean? Like people get too caught up. Like I got to be famous by 18, 25. I know I was like that, but my buddy once said to me, he's like, would you rather be famous uh, tomorrow and then live your whole like career or like, you know, trying to compete or, or trying to become uh, stay relevant? Or would you rather, take that time for yourself, maybe a ten, next another 10 years, develop your skills, develop your craft, build a solid, strong foundation, all your connections. So that way, if you do have a bad movie, you can bounce back because you know how to bounce back. But you know what I mean, man? It's like, and I, and I said, you're absolutely right. It's like, instead of becoming famous like next year or whatever, I'd rather become famous in like 10 years for my work because I know in 10 years, I'll be even more, uh, I'll be stronger and have the capability of dealing with whatever uh, critiques or uh, setbacks come my way. You got it. You, you just said it right. Man. You just said it right. It's like, you got to focus on the goal at the mm -hmm. end and not focus on the feedback of what's coming through so much. Right. Yep. Enjoy the process and focus on the goal. Don't focus too much on the feedback because a lot of it, think of it like, a radio station, you know, when you're trying to get on, is like, yeah, affecting you trying to get to that point, right? So you got to block it out. You got to just focus on trying to get your dial right. And it, That's okay. actually cool. Yeah, I like oh, that analogy. I, I've yeah. logged in now. I like that now analogy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because in between, when you're changing station, right, the anticipation's killing you. Like, am I going to get a signal? Right. Am I going to get? But that, if you're discouraged, you're going to go back, right? But if you keep turning it, you might find another station that you really like, right? That's even better than the previous, right? Yeah, smart. I like that, man. That's a cool analogy. I'm gonna. I'm serious. I never heard that one before. That's cool. Um, so definitely, uh, we'll we'll uh, keep that in mind uh, going forward. And uh, that's why I enjoy collaborating with people like yourself, man. I'm serious. It's like I always told you this from day one. I see you as like an older brother, like someone that could guide me and you know teach me teach me the ways uh, as much as I can teach you, uh, but also kind of keep me grounded and keep me like you know focused. Like don't don't get too caught up in this. You know, that's just a setback. Yeah, the goal should not be fame in this business. The goal should not be fame and having, you know, making $20 million a picture. That's great. But the yeah. goal should be satisfaction, right? Yeah. There yeah. are many actors out there who make good livings and they've been doing it consistently for 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And they're not famous. They still walk down the street. Maybe one of you people might say, hey, I know this guy, but they recognize you know, him, yeah. if you have a career like that, that's still satisfactory. You're still yeah. done well, right? You don't have to be known across the globe and have your billboard on everything. Yeah. Some people just have to understand that sometimes having that, you still want to have your quality of life. You still want to be able to do certain things. Sometimes when you're that, when you're too famous, you can't do those things anymore, right? No, no. I remember and sometimes dad, you always got to appear as the lead, right? Like what if you right. just want to be a supporting character actor in a, a film, right? Just talking about that. I remember my dad was in Chicago once and um, he was out with a friend. This was years ago, years, years ago, probably 20 something years ago. And he was driving by a mall and he was talking to his friend because there was just like a few cars in the parking lot at the mall. He goes, what's yeah. going on all the there? He goes, oh, that's probably Michael Jordan at the mall. He goes, what? He goes, yeah, well, they have to shut down the whole mall yeah. just so Michael Jordan can shop. And they yeah. do it at night, right? Or at a certain time where he can go with his family because if he goes to the mall with his family, he's not going to get anything done. Yeah. Right? And he He'll was talking himself talked about that. Like, you know, the, that's the price you pay. Like, I remember when he said he went to Spain uh, in the 92 Olympics, he, he kind of liked it because he could actually walk down the street 
Right. He wasn't getting involved, right? People just say hello, hey, and then, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. You give up your personal freedom sometimes for the price of yeah. So you have to there's a balance, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm in this industry because I enjoy what I do. Yeah. Right. When I'm on set, it's not even work to me. Like the yeah. time goes so quickly to me. I'm not even looking at my watch. The only same. time I would look at my watch is if I'm hungry. I'm like, okay, yeah, same. Lunch. Yeah, I know, I know. That's why we have to make sure we fed you. I remember I was like, order those pizzas, guys. <laughs> it's so I true. Spike that. Lee in a master class. Yeah. Funny you say that. It's shit, shit's not funny, man. Like Spike Lee, I remember I got all serious. I took all the master classes of these great directors, and my, Spike Lee stuck out to me the most because he goes, And one thing I can offer you as a director, piece of advice, is make sure your cast and crew are always fed. And he said it with such a straight face that because if they're not fed, nothing's getting done. And I'm like, so true. And I would be on sets where whoever was managing it, like I would, years ago, I collaborated with this buddy where he would like tease me and he'd be like, oh, like you, this guy has to eat, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it's been like, fuck, it's been like eight hours, 10 hours. Like he was, he was unprofessional that way, like laughing it off. But I'm saying to myself, when I, after taking the masterclass, after, I look back at that situation and say, no, I'm like the people that feed their actors, the people that are proactive that way, that show up with donuts or muffins and coffee, whatever, are the ones that are going to make it. Not the ones that are like, you know, making fun of you because you have to eat whatever. Like how, 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 how uh, insensitive is that, right? That's ignorant, right? It's ignorant. It's ignorant. It's ignorant um, blatantly, right? So, uh, and then exactly to your point about for myself, I got into this industry. I like what you said about the satisfaction part is I even had a sit down with myself and kind of reflected because I was getting too caught up in the whole, especially when you're young, you know how it is, right? You get caught up in like all oh, the vanity, whatever. But I remember saying, Richard, it's like, because I, I thought of like two alternatives. I said, what if I do become like big, but I'm making like films that are like, you know, like studio, like they're not, they're not my films. You know what I mean? Like they're not my stories. They're, they're all, I'm like a director for hire almost. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'd be really happy. And I realized no, because my story, they won't be my story. They won't be my films. And that's why I write so many passion projects because I say, I'd rather take the other route. Yeah. It'll take me a little bit more time, but I'd rather be rich. I'd rather be famous for the right reasons, for the reasons that I, on my own terms, you know what I mean? Because like you said, there are just like there are people that walk down the street and don't get recognized, make a comfortable living, the actors, there are also the vice versa that are famous and rich that doing projects they probably don't like, right? So it's a happy balance, happy medium you have to find. Absolutely. I mean, Eddie Murphy did that movie Pluto Nash for the money. It's a terrible movie. Terrible, yeah. But he did it for the money, right? Yeah. And he's and he's upfront about it. Like he he even said he's like, he like he look at stand-up, right? I love that he's so self-aware. Like he, he, like, cause you would think at that level, oh, don't be a seller, don't be this. And he said, he's like, I haven't done stand up in 30 years because it's stressful. Like I don't enjoy it as much. Like I'd rather do my movies, I get paid good money and I go home. That's <laughs> like, but, but the rumor is he's coming back. He's coming yeah. back. Yeah, I heard that. Joe Rogan keeps yeah, uh, emphasizing that. Yeah. Well, they said that COVID killed uh, the plans for his tour. Delayed it. Yeah. Yeah. Delayed I heard it, about that too. He is coming back. And they said he's as sharp as ever. Like, I, he's never lost his skills. Oh, I believe it. I know yeah. he got lazy on stand up because he was getting paid money. Oh, he yeah. Was getting, they were throwing him yeah. money. Films. And let's be honest, this is a guy that came. Films this, is, this, is people, this is what I mean by people. But this is what I mean by people understand is that, like, you know, you, you tell me, right? This guy comes from poverty, doesn't come from like the greatest, like, living, right, neighborhood. And he makes it big. Like, of course, he's gonna not want to go back, right? He doesn't want to be broke. He doesn't want to, right? But um, with, with with Eddie, I think Eddie came from. Um, was it Long I thought he came from like a rough area, like a rough he neighborhood. Came, yeah, but he he grew up in a pretty middle class kind middle of middle class. Oh, okay, it wasn't like like Mike Tyson's upbringing, right? But right. He did, but his brother Charlie was into like some shit. Like Charlie was into like the gangs and the fighting. Charlie went away mm-hmm. to the army. Because okay. Charlie was Charlie was the roughneck. Charlie was the one that would pull a gun on you, right? Right. Eddie was more like calm. no sense of humor. Like Eddie moved yeah, really one cracking Charlie jokes. Funny, yeah, yeah. But Charlie was like Charlie would beat your ass. Eddie the would kind of be like, yeah. But Charlie yeah. would be with, about to put in work to protect Eddie. You know the way oh. Charlie Martin talks. You know, so get that money, twenty five dollars. Go get that money, Eddie. Do this shit. You know, do there that. Do the questions and shit. You know, he would. He was that guy. Just searching him up. Eddie's not that guy. So. Yeah. They had a dynamic where Charlie was his protector, right? Yeah. Eddie would go to comedy clubs and Charlie would be there protecting him, right? To make sure yeah. no one did anything to him, make sure he got yeah. his money. So they had a great, really close bond. And rest in peace to Charlie Murphy for that. And his wife, who passed away to Charlie Murphy, because he was great at that. And he was a funny guy, very charismatic, just like Eddie. Great person. Oh, he looks a lot like him, too. 
Yeah, they took yeah. just two different routes, right? Yeah. Charlie yeah. did more of the B movies and more of the independent films. <clears throat> Eddie did more of the A movies, right? But they still had right. nice careers. They were always had that camaraderie. That and the important thing is that they were close, still, right? Like money didn't they change. Close. Yeah. And that's important, right? But what getting back to what you were saying with the uh, with films, you have to do projects you're passionate. About. Yeah. You have to do something that you're passionate. Like, but think about it, Daniel. As a director, would you rather yeah. do a movie that with a budget of five million dollars? which you're really excited to do and you're going to make good money off of it and you'll make the profit of, or would you rather say, say, Oh, you know what? We're going to give you $200 million, Daniel, but you got to do this big blockbuster and there's a lot of shooting and loud sounds. Done. You might do it, but you're going to be like, I wasn't really satisfied with that. I wasn't. Yeah. Happy. Because you're especially going to, you knowing with a whole bunch of egos. Yeah, of course. And especially knowing that I can't, I don't have any control of the script. Like I might say right. something like, can we change this? No, no, no. Focus group said, no. Right. Um, th- these big actors on set, you're trying to talk to them. Oh, I don't want to listen to this guy. Yeah. Who does this guy think he is? Yeah. Who's he think he is? I'm and that's what they did. Guy. And that's what Disney did. Marvel, not to shit on them, but it's the reality. Spider-Man uh, Far From Home or um, Homecoming. They got the, the director, I forgot his name. Uh, and he basically did like Cop Car with Kevin Bacon. Independent film, like you said, five, 10 million, smaller film, but it personal project. Like he, he that was his baby. Like he loved, he, he did well. Yeah. Next project, Spider-Man Homecoming, $200 million project. Yeah, great great film, well done. But if you talk to him, I don't know, one-on-one, will he tell you he had that much of a say, had that much of a control? You know what I mean? So oh, exactly, yeah. As a director, man, no, I would definitely uh, go the different route. And that's why I appreciate A24 a lot. I, I don't know how they run their business, but I see a lot of films like, um, I saw like Honey Boy, for instance. And I remember hearing uh, Shia LaBeouf at a Q&A. I saw it at the premiere at TIFF. And he explained how the director he brought on, she was a woman, Amma Harrell, uh, beautifully shot. Like, I, you know me, I'm very much into style and lighting and all that stuff. And he said his uh, big focus, his biggest concern was that the story would be told from start to finish with authenticity and true to his vision. Because he knew that with his celebrity star power, even going to a studio, they would bring on a director because Shia LaBeouf didn't have no interest in directing. They'd bring on a director that would probably want to alter it, change it, whatever. So he built this rapport Right with this woman that he would interact with frequently uh, in Los Angeles, who did like a couple of sh- uh, documentary films, uh, not, nothing like a big feature film, but he enjoyed how she spoke, her style, where she was coming from. And eventually when he was f- comfortable, he shouldered, shouldered the script and said, can you do, you, do you like this vision? Do you appreciate it? Do you kind of understand where I'm going with the story? And they created a, a, a collaboration and the, the movie's out. And it and I thought it was really well done. It has like a ninety four percent approval. Like it's amazing. It's amazing film. But hearing that story just tells me, like you said, stick to your guns. Like do it for the passion. Do it because you want the story to be told um, to the best of its ability, not because you want a quick buck, not because uh, you know you want the the biggest star in the in the film. That's what I love about Tarantino. Right? He goes, I hire the the person who portrays the the character I wrote is the best guy for the job. It's not, they're the hottest actor right now. They got, they're, uh, you know, a uh, contender for an Oscar. I don't care about any of that. And that's why you have so many uh, different kind of actors, um, walks of life <laughs> kind of take on his, his projects. But uh, nevertheless, man, uh, really appreciate you coming on, uh, explaining, uh, kind of exploring your journey with us. And, you know, I'm excited for what, what's to come for yourself and myself and really uh, this project that we're developing um really confident uh you know what we can execute i'm excited for everyone to see cracked uh when it's going to be released uh probably by the end of summer closer to the fall so uh keep keep an eye yeah keep an eye on that everyone great and, i've been anticipating that because everyone's asking yeah. what's that coming out what's that coming yeah, out yeah same like, yeah know, yeah <laughs> these guys these guys yeah and and again i that was costa caraway and danny mariathis they they came to me for the project so that's kind of like they're they're the producers on that so they they have a whole plan on release and whatever but uh it's coming soon i think it's coming soon and uh i, I think <laughs> i feel everyone's gonna be uh be much uh that much excited when they see it the the wor- the wait will be worth it um so yeah uh thank you again for coming on richard thank you again everybody for listening and uh we'll talk soon absolutely and the last thing i want to say is that i'm yes. going to be on uh tna canada okay i think it's on august 9th if i'm not mistaken this is yeah he said august 9th uh, there's nice. a TV show called Encounter UFO, or you know, they might title Eyewitness UFO. I'm oh, that's sick. Yeah. Oh, so nice. So you'll see me on that show. Uh, it's coming out in the next in three days. So check for me there. Uh, I've got the project I'm doing with you. There's some other things I've finished yep. off. A couple of big commercials that'll be coming out soon. 
uh, from some big brands will see me on. So uh, look for me. Yeah. If you want to have yeah. follow me on Instagram, my handle is at King Onan, K-I-N-G-O-N-A-N. You can hit me up there. Uh, check out some of the things I'm doing. Send me a little DM. Hopefully it's nice and clean. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it. And I exactly. uh, look forward to collaborating with this guy a little bit more. He's sharp. Look out for him. He's coming for you. He's coming for heads. Man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> He's bringing that fire. So, you know, get your, get your, get your, get your extinguishers out, but it ain't going to stop. <laughs> I you appreciate it. Yeah, it's not, you could try, but no, I'm, a, I'm, a, we're forced to be reckoned with. So I can't, I can't wait, man. I thank you so much for, for those kind words. I, I mean that. And uh, thank you. Thank you again. Uh, you know, looking forward to, to what we can, the magic we'll create. So Absolutely. Thank you again, everybody, again, for listening. Uh, thank you again, Richard, and we'll talk soon.